we're talking Jesus talks money, and, uh, and, and uh, it isn't about the money. <laughs> That's the point of this whole series. It's not about the money. It never was about the money, okay? But we're talking about this idea of money, and, and I said this last week that in the church we got a problem. We either talk about money too much, right? It's the televangelists that talk about it too much, or we just don't talk about it at all because it's awkward and it's uncomfortable, right? Like, I don't want to talk to you about your money. Like, that's not what I wanted. I didn't wake up this morning. That's what I want to do. No, but it is important to us. Why? Because God desires to reveal something through our money. He needs to speak to this whole series. It's, it's not about me and about our church. It is about you and your personal walk of faith. That's what this is about. God desires to do something in you, and he's going to use your wallet to reveal some of those things. Jesus talked more about money and finances than anything other than the kingdom of God. And so there's, this is why we've got to talk about this thing, okay? And so I've, I've told you that we're not going to get, I'm not going to get through, uh, you know, everything about money, everything Jesus had to say. My goal here in three weeks is to, that I could lay out some very basic principles of, of stewardship and what, what Jesus talked about money. And that each week you can have one thought to take away, all right? And when we leave this thing, we can have this perspective, as we just sang about. We can have the right perspective on life. Amen? Amen. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in this text uh, all morning. Uh, as always, if you ever don't have a Bible with you, there's a table at the back of the room. I encourage you to grab uh, that Bible. And uh, you can use it. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. We want you to have a Bible. Put your name in it. Bring it back with you. That's our gift to you, okay? Would you stand with me, though, as we're going to read our text together this morning? Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 25. A little bit of a longer passage here. Just follow along. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us. And God, I know that you want to, you're already speaking to our hearts. I can just sense it. We pray every week that your Holy Spirit would speak and it wouldn't be me. And I, and I sense that you are speaking to hearts today. So God, I pray that you would take this truth that you spoke 2,000 years ago. God, I pray that you would dig it deep into our souls. And God, it would change the way we live. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. All right. 
all that out of my system so we can actually get to what I'm supposed to say today. <laughs> if this is your first time here, I'm really glad you're here. I usually don't ball at the moment, and I think the first moment of every message, but uh, just felt like the Spirit of God was doing something today. Hey, um, so when we get into passages of Scripture, we say this, I mean, I'll say this almost every single week. There's one word that really matters. What's the word? Context. Context. We got to know the context of Scripture, otherwise we get really crazy idea about the Bible, just plucking verses out, making it say what we want it to say, okay? And so in this verse, uh, this passage of Scripture that this section is out of is out of something known as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is talking, and we don't know if it was a single message or a bunch of portions of messages that are put together, but here's the point of it, is Jesus is trying to communicate to his followers, this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. He's saying this, hey, everybody in the world, they live this way, but if you want to follow me and live in my kingdom, it looks like this, right? And it, it makes sense for us because we live in a world that's telling you the way to go, telling you the way you live. He's saying, no, 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 I got a different way for you to live, all right? You read through the Sermon on the Mount. If you've never read it, I'd encourage you to do that, beginning of chapter 5, all right? But you get to chapter 6, and Jesus is now talking about the difference of rewards. And he's saying there's rewards in heaven, and there's rewards here on earth. And some of you, when you do stuff, you're looking to get rewards and accolades and everybody to see what you do here on earth. But, but I would say, don't do that. Serve God. Do things in the quiet here so that God can see you and reward you in heaven. And then we get to the passage that we talked about last week. And, and he, he amplifies this a little bit. And he talks about the difference between uh, storing up treasures in heaven and storing up treasures on earth. And he's saying, listen... There's eternal rewards and there's temporal ones. And we get so focused on storing up our treasures temporarily here on earth. And that's a really, really bad investment. That's what Jesus said. That's a poor use of your finances. That's a poor use of your energy to invest in things that only last 80 years when we've got an eternity to deal with. He said, no, the better investment is store up for yourself treasures in heaven, right? Where moth can't destroy, where rust doesn't destroy, okay? And then we get to the core verse from last week. If you remember, uh, the verse was uh, verse 21 where it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you weren't here last week, your big so what from last week was this. Your money is a map and a magnet. Your money is a map and a magnet. What do I mean by that? Your money is a map. Do you want to know what has your heart? Do you want to know where your heart, where your affection is? Follow the money. Your money will tell you exactly what is important to you. It will lead you to what has your heart. But it's more than that. It says your money is a map, but it is also a magnet. What do I mean? Your money leads. It says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Which is a good thing because it says if you don't like where your heart is, just change what you're treasuring. Change what you're valuing, and your heart will follow that thing. And for some of you, you're, you're in a place where you're like, I don't, I'm not really that excited about kingdom things. Like, why would I? Make? Guess what? Begin to invest. Begin to value those things. And guess what? You will see your heart changed. God will begin to transform your heart as you begin to invest and treasure the things that matter. And guess what? It's a better investment. It's an eternal investment. It's one that actually impacts lives for eternity. All right? That's where we're at. And then we get to the end of that passage that we, we went through last week. And what was the last verse? You cannot serve both God and money, right? 
He's, this whole time, he's, he's drawing this comparison between heaven, between earth, between eternal and temporary, God and money, right? And then we get to the passage we just read, which starts with, what's the first word? Therefore. And every time we see the word therefore, ask the question, what's the therefore? Good job. Okay? It's like English class, okay? What's the therefore, therefore? The therefore is they're saying everything I'm about to say is in relation to what I just said. Okay? So because you can't serve God and money, therefore, here's how you should think. This is how you should live. All right, we get to verse number 25. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your money or what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. What's he saying here? He's, he's using this teaching mechanism where he says, listen, if God can take care of your life, like he can give you life, don't you think he could take care of your food, right? Now, for some of you, food is life, amen? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, who wants to go out to lunch today? That's great, okay? Some of you, that, that's how my home was growing up. Like, when we went on vacation, it wasn't about what we went to see. The question was, where are we eating next? <laughs> Where's the next meal coming, right? Okay? But he's saying, listen, if God can give you life, he can take care of the food side of it, like, right? It even give you, he can take care of your clothes. Like, why, why are you so worried about that? And then we get to the next verse, and he says, let's look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away things in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? He's like, look at the stupid birds. Look at the stupid birds. They got what they need. Aren't you more valuable than this? I'm sorry if you're part of Peter or something like that, but they're just stupid birds. You're more valuable than the stupid bird is. He will take care of you. You can trust him. He will take care of you, right? You get to verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your lives? Okay, moment of honesty. It's okay. How many of you would say worry is something you struggle with a little bit? Anybody out there? Okay, how many of you are sitting next to somebody who worry? No, don't do that. Because <laughs> some of you are married to that person. You're like, oh my word, they drive me crazy. They worry about everything. Okay. Right, worry is a challenge. Like, we all struggle a little bit with this whole idea of worry and anxiety. What is worry? Worry is fear grounded in the unknown. It's fear that's grounded in the unknown. You're just not sure what's going to happen. And you get, you, you know, you, you get tense. You know, you get the shoulders. You get the head. You get the headaches. You get all this. It's just, just the anxiety that overwhelms you. And Jesus takes this idea and he applies it to the financial says, listen, if you want to serve money, if that's the thing that that's where your hope is, listen, you're going to have a lot of anxiety in life. You want to know why? Because the world is full of financial unknown. You might think, I got all my ducks in a row. I got my retirement plan. I got all this stuff. Guess what? There's a lot of unknown. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. And if your God, the thing that your hope is in, that, that foundation of your life is in your stuff and in your things, all that stuff, you're going to have a lot of worry in your life. You're going to have a lot of anxiety because you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's coming down the pike. But Jesus is saying, you don't need to live that way. You don't need to. You don't need to serve that God of money. You don't need to find your hope in that God. No, he is not going to save you. But hear this. You can serve God. He is reliable. He is sure. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
you can have your hope in him. Changes your perspective. We get to verse 31. It says this. Or no, sorry, verse 28. Verse 28 says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Right there, that's where he starts to, to, to question us a little bit. Like, where's your faith? What is your faith? Remember, what's the context? Are you serving God or money? What's your faith? If you're full of all this anxiety and worry, who are you looking to? Like, where are your eyes? What's your attention on, right? He's saying this. You may have confidence in the world. That's a bad place to put your confidence. You can have confidence, however, in the character of God. You might not be able to trust. There's a lot of unknowns out there. I get it. We're full. The world is full of unknowns. But you can have confidence in the character of God. You can trust in him, all right? And then we get uh, to this verse 31. And this is where Jesus starts meddling. (laughs) I don't like it when Jesus starts meddling, but here we go. Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What's a pagan? The, the actual original Greek, he's talking about Gentiles. That's what the word means. And a Gentile is simply someone who doesn't follow God. Who, we'll just make that a very simple explanation. Someone who is not a follower of God, or in this particular point, a follower of Christ. All right? He's saying, listen, that's how people outside of my kingdom, they live. They're worried about that stuff. They're focused on what am I going to wear, what am I going to eat, what am I going to have, what am I going to drive, what am I going to live in, all these kind of, that's what they're worried about. Not so with those who follow me. And if you're like me, this, this poses a problem because I'm like, all right, God, so where's the line? Because <laughs> I would like to wear clothes. Anybody else? <laughs> Agreement? Like I would like to put clothes on in the morning. So like a little bit of worrying would be good. I, I say that to all of you, but... So where's the line, God? Like, <laughs> I'm not sure where the line is. Like, wh- where's too much? Like, where am I going, you know? And that's, we do the same thing with sin. How many of you know we do the same thing with sin? We're like, God, where's the line, God? Okay. And here, here's what I would say. I'd say that's the wrong question. I don't think that's the question Jesus gives us. No, I think he has a different challenge for us. Rather than asking where the line is, I think we should be asking, what has our attention? What has our affection, okay? Look at what verse 33 says, and this is the answer to this question. If you've been following, it says this, but seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these will be given you as well. It's an issue of what has the attention. You know, what does it mean to to be first, to seek first the kingdom of God? It's not an issue of order, it's an issue of priority and importance. Okay, think about it. What, who's the first woman in my life? Well, if you think about order, the first woman would have been my mother and then school teachers and then, you know, the little, my little girlfriend in the third grade, you know, and all these kind of things. But when you say who's the first woman, woman in my life, you know who we're talking about. It's my wife, Amber. Why? She is the most important. 
She is absolutely supreme. She is the one that I center my world on. I make decisions around this woman. I, I try to make sure that I, I think of her in every decision that gets made. I'm not just doing this thing on my own, right? That's what it means for her to be the first woman in my life. What does it mean that for his kingdom to seek first the kingdom of God? It means this. Is he preeminent? Is he the one that you are thinking of? Is he the one that you are centering your life around? Not just the first in order, like, yeah, check that box off. No, is he the one you are building your world around? Is the kingdom of God what is most important in your life? That's the question. So uh, we get at this passage, you know, the, the passage as a whole. We kind of just walked our way all the way through that passage. If there was one word that, that to me sticks out and makes me kind of understand what's the definition of this whole passage, it would just be this word, trust Trust. It's coming. There it is. Trust. Who do you trust? Like, do you trust God or do you trust in the stuff and in the money and in the here and in the now? Like, where is your trust at? What are you trusting? He's saying, listen, you can trust God. You can. You don't need to live like everybody else does. You can actually put your hope and your trust in me. That's what he's saying. And so I want to get to our big so what. We're going to hit here, and then we're going, to, we're going to kind of work through this a little bit here this morning. But the big so what this morning is simply this. Your money reveals trust. Your money reveals trust. Do you trust God? Remember the whole passage. Remember this whole passage? It was connected to that first statement of you can't serve God and money. So we can say that we trust God with our lives. We can say we trust him with our relationships. We can say that we trust him with all these future and these other things. But do we trust him with everything? Are we willing to trust him in our finances, with our wallets? Do we trust him as our provider? Do we trust him as our source? Do we trust in his character? That's the question. And this is what Jesus is leading us to. Where are you at? Where's your trust level, right? Now, Jesus says this, that there's a normal way for living your life, right? There's a normal, the way that the world lives. Remember the pagans, those Gentiles, they live a different way, right? He's saying that's the normal way. That's what normal people live like, right? And what's the normal way? I would say this is the normal way. We get paid, we get money, and then what do we do? We live. We live, okay? Get some money, and we live. And we get some money, and we live. And this is the cycle that most of us live our lives in, right? Okay? Now, I would say that there's some people, and probably some of you in this room, and there's people around the world that say, you know, I'm, I'm better than that, okay? I take, I take a step beyond that. And so it would be the next one. It would mean that we live, and then if there's a little extra, I might save a little, you know, because I know I got a car need coming up, or I got something coming up, and, you know, there's, there's some wisdom in that. And then if there's some extra, I'll give or I'll invest and things that really matter, you know? Maybe this summer we had Teen Challenge. Remember when Teen Challenge was here this summer? And, like, I get stirred up and moved a little bit. And so, like, yeah, I got some, I got a, I got a five in my pocket. Boom, I'm going to invest a little bit of money and finances into that thing. But this is the way, this is the normal way. This is how the people who don't follow Christ, this is how we live our lives. We live on, and if there's extra, we give out. And I would just say this, that the whole passage is about <clears throat> trusting God. It's about saying, God... I trust you, right? And, and the crucial verse is seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, that this would be the priority. And remember, we've got this division of where are we storing up our treasures? Are we treasuring the here and the now, or are we treasuring the eternal? So if we're going to take those principles and apply it practically, then I think the order needs to look something more like this. Give, save, live. This is what a kingdom person thinks about. What does that look like? Well, first, we give. What's most important? If it truly is kingdom of God, if it truly is investing in the eternal, then, then a follower of Christ begins to think, how can I take what I have received and how can I invest in the things that really matter? How can I invest in God's kingdom first and foremost? That that is the most important, that I build my life around that. That's what we begin thinking about. How can I invest? And Jesus would say, this is the better thing. This isn't just like, I'm taking your money because I want to take your... No, it's saying, you're making a better investment. The best place you can put your money is invest in eternal things because the reward is so much bigger. Remember last week, it's like Amazon in the 90s. Okay, if you missed the message, go back and watch last week, all right? That's the better investment, right? And then you give, or then you save. Now, you'd say, well, that's not in the passage, Greg. I know, but when you look at the whole of Scripture, there's talk about wisdom in your finances, about being prudent with your finances. And we all know there are things that you need. Sometimes you need to save for something. It is prudent in our society to save for your retirement because somebody's going to have to pay for you at some point in your life. So you should begin thinking about that and preparing for that in a wise way. But here's what I will say is that the goal is not how can I save up this massive nest egg so I can take it easy and blow the last 30 years of my life, okay? That's not, that might be what the world says. Hey, go buy yourself a plot on an island somewhere and just sip tequila for the rest of your life. That's not what Jesus would recommend. He said, that's not a good, you only get 100 years. How are you investing your life, right? He actually tells a story. If you've got your Bibles and you want to look at it, it's in Luke chapter 12. And he confronts this very issue and, because there's a guy who comes in and said, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I'm like, I'm not getting mine. You know, he's all like whining at Jesus. And, and Jesus is like, don't bother me. But he says this, watch out. In verse number 15, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. That's Jesus. Quote, hashtag Jesus right there, Okay. But he goes on and he tells a parable here. And this is a challenging one for some of us, okay? Because I am for saving for retirement. But if the goal is massive nest eggs so I can lay back and not do anything, listen to what it says here. It says that there's a ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I got no place to store all my crops. I got so much stuff. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll be, build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. Verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So here's the challenge, is that the goal in life is not how can I make this massive saving and then just kind of blow it on myself. No, this whole life is an investment. This whole thing is saying, what is this thing pointing to? And so the first thing we say, we go back to, uh, back to the give, save, live if you can. 
the first and most important is that we are centered around God, that our finances, we say, God, you are most important, that I am prudent and I save and prepare for the future. And then I live. I live, right? Now, for some of you, these, I, I'm not going to draw a percentage line on these right now, okay? Because every one of you are in a different place, all right? But if we're going to look at what does it look like to orient our lives? We've been saying this. How are we going to build our lives around Christ? We're going to orient our lives around Christ. This is a pattern that we would see. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to point to there's, there's one example of this. There's one strong example that we see throughout Scripture that is related to this, and that's something called the tithe. How many of you ever heard the word tithe before? Okay, the word tithe, who knows what that means? 10%. It's, it's a tenth, okay? And so... When we talk about the tithe, there was this idea that we see in throughout the Old Testament, this idea of the tithe and that people would bring this tithe, this 10% of their income to the house of the Lord, okay? Now, we don't have time to dig into all of the nuance of this, and I'm not going to get into that today. But what we see is that God consistently commends and encourages them not to bring leftovers, but to bring their best to God, Right? Because this whole idea of the tithe was an issue of surrender, an issue of lordship, but it was also an issue of trust, okay? It was an issue of trust. It was saying, God, we trust you. In fact, there was another offering known as the first fruits, okay? And I mean, you know, if you're in an agrarian society, giving your first fruits to God is a really big deal. You want to know why? There's no guarantee that there's any more coming. They would say, God, we're going to give you the first, the first crop we have, we're giving it to you. And it's an act of trust. It's saying, God, I trust you. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm not trusting in my ability to make money. I'm not trusting in my harvest. I am trusting in you. You are my source. I am not my source. That's what it means. And so this whole idea of the, tuss, uh, the tithe just shouts out this idea, God, I trust you. Now, Amber and I, we... We've lived out the tithe our entire lives, okay? I, I've been tithing for so long that it's, it's not even a, a, something I want to withhold anymore. If you could follow my checkbook as long as you, as you can look back, every time there's money in, there is 10% that I'm giving back to the Lord. Why do I do that? Do I do it because it's a ritual and I have to? No, I do it because I say, God, I want you to be first. I want to build my finances around you. I am entrusting my life toward you. I'm not trusting in myself, Okay? And Amber and I could sit up here and tell story after story after story of the blessing of God and how he has provided for us as we've continued to be faithful and say, God, we are trusting in you. We are going to give to you first and foremost, okay? But here's the deal. I know there's lots of you out there who are faithful tithers. And I bet you I could ask any one of you to talk about how God has provided and has guarded you in seasons. And I bet all of you could tell a story of what God has done. In fact, this past Tuesday morning, I'm with a group of guys. And we weren't looking to have a conversation about this, but they started talking about it. And one of the guys all of a sudden starts talking about, man, there was a time when I was wrestling with tithing. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to, no, I need that money for myself because it was this big thing going on in his life. And he said, you know, I'm not going to do it. Okay, fine, God, I will trust you. He gives his money. Two weeks later, this massive insurance thing comes in to offset all the costs that he was so concerned about. Is God provided for him. If somebody else around the table said, I had something like that happen to me a couple months ago, where God, I felt God tell me that I needed to give something, and I just said, I'm going to put that first. I'm going to give to you. I'm not really sure how we're going to make things work, but something came in and was able to offset and take care of that. And guess what? I could give story after story after story of how God has provided, because he said, what did he just say? Jesus just gave a whole thing. You can trust me. You can trust me. 
Build your kingdom around me. You can stand on me. I'm a rock that doesn't shake. I'm a foundation that doesn't break. You can build your life on me. But guess what? My only concern is this, is that you would begin to think that God is a formula to be worked. God is not a formula to be worked, okay? Saying, okay, Greg, I'm going to give my tithe because then God's got to do something. (laughs) That's not what it means to give to God. It means to say, God, I put you first. And I'm trusting in you. My life is in your hands, not in my own, okay? We as a church, we do the same thing. You may not be aware of this, um, but I'm grateful for you guys being faithful givers. So many of you are faithful givers here. Here's the deal. You are not my source, okay? You are not Zoe Church's source. God is our source. And so if you even look at at our finances, we make sure that we tithe as a church, that 10% goes out of these doors, make sure it's going to missionaries and other organizations around the world. And guess what? If we got a short month, guess what's not getting cut? that money because we are we are putting our hope in God we're saying you said to put your kingdom first that's what we're going to do we're going to put your kingdom first and we're going to trust that you are going to provide that we are more important than the dumb birds okay that's what we're going to believe we're going to believe that your word is true right that's what we're going to do as a church and so my challenge to every one of you here this morning is that you would take the same step And so my challenge is not vague this morning. Here's my challenge. It's very clear that you would put God's kingdom first in your finances through tithing. That's my challenge. Now, I'm going to talk to three different groups in the room, okay? Because this seems like a very blanket statement, you know? Because some of you look at this and you're like, oh my gosh, that's an overbearing statement. And some of you say, eh, easy, okay? Let's have a conversation, okay? Some of you in the room... You've never, uh, no, there's some of you in the room who you maybe at one point in your life, you tithe on a consistent basis, or maybe you, you give, but you don't always give consistently. You don't, you don't put Christ first always, right? And maybe you've kind of slid back a little bit. My challenge and encouragement to you is that you would say, God, God, I'm, I'm kind of coming to a new point. I'm re-upping. I'm saying, God, I want to invest in you first. I want to give to you first. I don't want to, I've got a little lackadaisical with this. No, there's no condemnation here. We've got a little lax here. God, I want to put you first. I want to build my life around you. I want to give, save, live. I don't want to live first, okay? I, I want to put you first in my finances, okay? And that's a step for some of you to begin taking, okay? There's others of you who would say, you've never, you've never given this way. You've been one of those, like, if there's extra change in my pocket, I might give a little bit. You know, if I'm stirred emotionally, I might give a little bit, and, that, and I would do that. And that's great. Here's my challenge to you, because you might say, 10%, I don't have 10%. Like, like the way my life is structured right now, it's not even possible. Like, it's going to take a long time to ever get to that point. Totally get that. Here's the challenge for you. Premeditated, consistent giving. That you would go back to that, that, for, that give, save, live, that you would start there. I don't know what that is for you, but that you would be premeditated, meaning you plan it out ahead of time. And that you would be consistent. You do it consistently. You don't just do it when, you, when you're stirred. You don't just do it when you got extra. No, you say first and foremost. For some of you here this morning, you literally might be putting a penny in the offering. I don't care what it is. It's not about the amount. It's beginning to say, God, I put you first and I trust in you. That's all it is. Okay? 
For some of you, it might be, you know what? I can't give a tithe, but I could give 50 bucks every time I get paid and begin to try and build my finances around Christ to prioritize him. I don't care what it is. I don't, I've told you this before. I don't know what anybody gives here, and I never will. I never want to know how much anybody gives around here. Just hear that from me. I will never look at our records. You want to know why? Because I'm a broken person, and I don't ever want to be corrupted in the way I treat a person because of how much I know they give or don't give. I don't want that. I want to serve you selflessly and not concerned about anything else. So don't worry. This ain't about me and my opinion of you. This is about you and you trusting God, saying, God, am I going to put you first? And there's some of you that would say, you know what? I, I could actually take the step of tithe. I just haven't. Okay? I challenge you that you'd begin to take that step faithfully. All right? And then the third group. Third group is all you faithful tithers out there. Okay? And there's, I'm sure there's many of you out there. Because there are just amazing people in this church that give. Here's my challenge to you. The tithe has become a limitation for you. It has become a box to check, possibly. Because it's very easy. Because like for me in my life, it's really easy for me to say, yeah, I've been tithing. My, I know what it is to live off of 90%. I've been doing that my whole life. Like that 90% is 100% to me. That's all I have ever known. Would God be challenging me to a deeper level? Would God be challenging me to the next level to say, no, I want to invest more in the kingdom of God. I want to give more. Not because I have to, but because it's the better investment. It's the one that lasts. It's the one that reaps rewards that are eternal. Would I become a funnel? Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about being a funnel? Maybe God's calling me. Maybe he's given me resources. Maybe I've hit this prime of life where I've got more money than I thought I needed because, you know, my house is paid off and yada, 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 and say, no, what if I could be a conduit, a funnel of the grace of God and give extravagantly for the sake of the kingdom? Not to live here, to have my, my, my storehouse here. I got all this money for me. No, to say, God, how can I invest and give back for the sake of the kingdom? Maybe he's calling you to another level. I'm not going to be the Holy Spirit for you. What I'm asking this morning is that every single one of us, wherever we're at, that we would, we would answer this call to say, God, we are going to put you first. That's it. I want to put you first. All right? I just believe this wholeheartedly, that if you don't, get control over your money, your money will have control over you. And some of you here this morning, you have not grown in your faith in a while. And, and, that, and that next edge in your faith growth is to, is to let it impact your wallet a little bit. To say, God, I'm going to trust you with everything. I'm not just singing the songs. I'm trusting you with everything, all right?